This faith and finance podcast is underwritten in part by Praxis Mutual Funds. They are a leading faith-based family of mutual funds helping people integrate their finances with their values since 1994. With Praxis, your investments can make a difference for you and the world around you. Learn more at PraxisMutualFunds.com. When in doubt, a great piece of advice is do the next right thing, but you need to know what that is. Hi, I'm Rob West. There's no shortage of sayings about this. First things first, and don't put the cart before the horse come to mind. The order in which we do things can mean success or failure. I'll talk about that with Chad Clark, and then it's on to your calls at 800-525-7000. That's 800-525-7000. This is Faith and Finance, biblical wisdom for your financial decisions. Well, it's always fun and educational to have Chad Clark on the program. He's our executive director here at Faith and Finance, and he always gets things in the right order, well, at least most of the time. Chad, great to have you. I was going to say, I don't know about always, but (laughs) by God's grace, sometimes we get it right. Well, I know this topic has been on your mind lately, Chad. I'm excited to unpack it and tackling things in the right sequence is what you've been thinking about. And you're going to take us, I guess, back to math class to understand this. I guess so. And I know that we just lost half of our listeners. But for those (laughs) of you that are still listening, stick with us here, because I think that you're going to see a lot of value in what we're going to be unpacking here. Um, But to get started, let's just jump right in to a math problem. Okay. Um, And so this is a very simple problem for our listeners. Um, If you're driving in the car, stay focused on the road. But I want you to be paying attention to this equation. If you're listening with somebody else, I want you to tell me the answer to this math problem out loud. I want you to tell that person you're listening to the answer to this problem. So let's jump into this. It's very simple. And stick with me. So, Rob, I want you to answer this. Four plus four times two. Let me give that to you again. Four plus four times two. Okay. All right. So does everybody have their answer? Rob, we're going to unpack this, okay? I'm ready. Four plus four times two. All right. So four plus four is what? Eight. Times two? Is 16. Okay. Do you think that's the right answer? Well, that's what I came up with. That's what you came up with. Why is that? Because we went from left to right to solve the problem. Unfortunately, that is not the right answer. Uh The answer is actually 12. And that's because we have to follow certain mathematical laws, which, by the way, God designed. And it's beautiful when you unpack kind of these mathematical principles and how they're used throughout nature and and everything else. But these mathematical laws, also known as PIMDAS, uh, parentheses, exponents, multiplication, division, addition, and subtraction. Yes, we're taking it way back here to remember these order of operations. I'm starting to twitch. You are. I see it. I see it. But stick with me here. When we don't follow the right order of operations, we get the wrong answer, even though we may be deceived that it's right. Uh, Okay, so we see this on social media a lot. We see these problems uh, pop up and people get into big debates about them. And at the end of the day, really what it comes down to is doing the first things first, is following these set of mathematical rules, these order of operations. And this is so important in our lives spiritually and also financially. And that's what we want to unpack today. 
All right, but for those who are still wondering why the answer wasn't 16, because 4 plus 4 is, in fact, 8, and when you multiply that times 2, that is, in fact, 16. Why is that wrong? We can't leave them behind here. Yeah, no, that's great. So because of the order of operations, we need to do multiplication before addition. And so we actually need to do is uh, look at 4 times 2, which is 8, and then we go back to add the additional four to get to 12. So Got multiplication it. has to come before the addition. And if we don't do it in the proper order, we get the wrong answer. I love it. And you're exactly right. So if we want to get first things first and get our finances right as it relates to handling money God's way, we've got to take a break here in about 45 seconds. So tee this up for us. How is this, Chad, going to apply to our money management as God's people? Well, I think one of the things that this does is it helps us to take a step back and ask ourselves, are we getting the right financial outcomes? We tend to focus so much on giving and saving and retirement, paying off debt, lifestyle. All of these things are great, but that's only the addition and subtraction side of the equation. And if we just focus on that part, my concern is that we may end up getting the wrong answer because those are just downstream outcomes of the things that we need to do first, which we're going to dive into in just a bit. I love it. It's the order of operations and perhaps by rethinking how you're approaching God's money and the why. It's the 90% of the iceberg below the waterline, not the 10%, the how that's above it. We'll unpack that, and that may lead you to some entirely different outcomes as a steward of God's money. Chad Clark, Executive Director of Faith and Finance with us today. Much more to come just around the corner. We'll be right back. Forty-five thousand. That's how many times Faith and Finance referred a listener to a certified kingdom advisor last year. And for good reason. These are trusted financial, legal, and accounting professionals who have completed a rigorous certification program to ensure biblically wise financial advice as part of their practice. You can find a local CKA professional in your area by going to faithfi.com and clicking on the Find a CKA button on the homepage. We are grateful for support from Sound Mind Investing in the Faith and Finance Program. For more than 30 years, they've been helping Christians reach their financial goals with step-by-step guidance for investors at every stage, from those just getting started to those getting ready for retirement. Through scriptural principles and practical suggestions, SMI offers financial wisdom for living well. More information, including the short video webinar on profit and peace of mind, no matter what's happening in the market, is available at soundmindinvesting.org. Great to have you with us today on Faith and Finance. I'm Rob West. Joining me today, Executive Director here at Faith and Finance, Chad Clark. And Chad, just before the break, we were doing math equations. That's right. That's right. A lot of folks didn't know what they were signing up for today, but you made a really great point, and that is the order of operations is critical, and that has real application to our role as stewards of God's money, right? That's right. It absolutely does. And so before the break, we were looking at a math problem, and we said that if we do uh, the 
the, the operations out of order, we can end up with the wrong answer. And that same thing can apply in our lives and specifically in our finances. And so what I want to do now is take a step back and look at how we put the first things first. What do we need to do before we even begin to look at our finances? And I think we just go to God's word and specifically what Jesus said is the greatest commandment in Matthew 22, 37 to mm. 39. It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And so the first thing that we have to do before we do anything else in our lives, specifically our finances, is we need to make sure that we love God with all of our heart and all of our soul and all of our mind. And this goes back to a principle we talk about a lot on this show, which is Matthew 6, 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And there is nothing we should treasure and love more than God, because our love for God ultimately flows into to everything else that we do, including our financial decisions. Yeah, and perhaps often, Chad, especially as we read that great commandment, we don't quickly relate that to money. And what we fail to recognize is the heart connection between our money and our relationship with the Lord. Money issues are heart issues at the end of the day. They're a tangible daily expression of walking by faith and trusting and valuing the Lord above everything else. And uh, perhaps we don't see that often, and maybe that's why we don't apply this. I think that's exactly right. We don't, we don't see that this is really a heart condition and it's really about what we love. And we can grow in our love for God by spending time with Him in His Word and prayer and fellowship with other believers. And it may look different, uh, for each of us, but we ultimately should just be longing for more of Him. Um, I love what John Owen says when he says, you know, when he looks at how do we know that we're, we're more in love with God than the things of this world. And he says, when we by faith set our minds on those things which are above where Christ sits at the right hand of God, then the things on earth lose their luster and desirability in comparison. It's this eternal perspective that we're constantly talking about, Rob, is we're setting our eyes on the things above, the things eternal and not on the things temporal. Um, and so when we're growing in our love for God, we no longer desire the things of this world. And so how does this apply to our finances? Well, in every possible way, when we set our heart and our mind and our love on him, it overflows into our financial decisions. Loving him must be our first and primary objective of our lives. And we do that. Our finances may actually look very different than the rest of the world. Oh, that's really helpful, Chad. It reminds me of what John Piper says when he says, the way we're to be rich toward God is to handle money in such a way that it's apparent that God is our treasure and not our money. But our listeners may be hearing this and thinking or saying out loud to themselves, what does this really look like? How does this, on a day-to-day -day basis, my love for God, how does that actually overflow into the way I practically handle money? What would you say to them? 
Well, I, I think that we could probably just look at the second part of the great commandment, okay. which is love your neighbor as yourself. Mm. When we love God, I believe that he softens our heart and makes us more aware of the needs of our neighbors um, and those around us. But but let's before we jump into that, let's define what does neighbor even really mean? Mm. Um, this can be literally the person next door in your community, at your church or somebody on the other side of the world. But Jesus answers the question of who is my neighbor in Luke 10, the parable of the Good Samaritan. If you recall this parable, right, the Samaritan uh, saw a man beaten on the side of the road. And when he saw him, it says he had compassion and he went and he helped this person that was in need. And so our love for our neighbor is when we see somebody in need, that we have compassion on them and we love them so much that we go and we see how we can help. I love this quote by C.S. Lewis when he talks about love for neighbor. He says, love is not necessarily an affectionate feeling, but a steady wish for that loved person's ultimate good as far as it can be obtained. Our love for them is for their ultimate good. And that's what it means when we love ourselves, right? When we love ourselves, we're looking out for our good. To love our neighbor, we're looking out for the good of our neighbor. I love this because when we put money in its proper context, that is a tool to accomplish God's purposes, it's an invitation into a greater and grander vision that we were created, Chad, to live for something bigger than ourselves. And when we give, there's contentment and satisfaction and joy that, frankly, we just won't find anywhere else. And I think it calibrates our hearts to the Father as we give, because when we physically loosen our grip on God's money, it's demonstrating the trust that we're placing ultimately in him. But we're also able, to your point, to partner with him in meeting the needs of those around us. That I mean, that's exactly right. And I, I think about 1 John three seventeen when you say that, it says, but if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? It goes all the way back to that first principle, which is a love for God. And that overflow flows into recognizing the needs of our neighbor and and helping them, right? Having a heart postured towards God so that we can then see how we can help um, our neighbors. And this has been one of my prayers recently, uh, just personally. I feel like so many times I get the blinders on and I'm focused on my needs, my family's needs. And so recently I've just been praying, God, help me to see the needs of others. Help me to love them and to see how I can care for them through the power of your Holy Spirit, because we know that we need your help to do that, right? This is not something we can do in and of of our own strength. We need God's help to see how we can serve and love our neighbors well. So to bring this full circle, Chad, there's nothing wrong with trying to get out of debt and saving for retirement and building that emergency fund and providing for our families. But when we look at it through the order of operations and we start with loving God and loving our neighbor, perhaps the day-to-day decisions and handling of God's money will change, right? Absolutely. I think as we grow closer to God, he's going to start to position our hearts in ways and show us opportunities. Like you said, money is just a tool tool. And and it's either going to glorify us and build our kingdom, or it's going to glorify him and build his kingdom. And I think as we just continue to pursue him, he's going to show us how we can use finances to glorify him. Um, I love John Piper's quote, uh, where he says, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. And I think that's what we're getting at today, is that our satisfaction ultimately needs to be found in him and him alone. There's nothing in this 
this world that's ultimately going to satisfy. We can be thankful for the things that God has given us, our home and our car and our relationships, but those things don't ultimately satisfy when it comes to Him. Here in a new year, as you put your financial plans together, perhaps you should start with your love for God and neighbor before you get to those more practical decisions, and it might just change everything. Chad, thanks for stopping by. Thank you. This is Faith and Finance. I'm Rob West, and we're going to take your questions just around the corner. The number to call, 800-525-7000. That's 800-525-7000. Stay with us. Much more to come just around the corner. God's Word is packed with life-changing wisdom about your finances. And Faith and Finance is here to help you and many others to be wise stewards of God's resources. We rely on help from Faith and Finance patrons, supporters of this mission, to help us continue and expand our outreach. Please consider becoming a monthly Faith and Finance patron. Visit faithfi.com and click Give on the homepage. We are grateful for support from One Ascent Investments on the MoneyWise program. They manage a comprehensive suite of value-based investment strategies designed to help Christian investors live aligned with what they value most. One Ascent believes that if your values inspire the way you live, they should also inspire the way you invest. This can be a unique form of worship. More information is available at investments.oneascent.com. That web address is investments.oneascent.com. Welcome back to Faith and Finance. I'm Rob West. Back to the phones we go to Minnesota. Hey, Tom. Thanks for calling, sir. Go ahead. Yes, I got a question for you. Uh, I've retired from the VA about three years ago. I have a TSP account that I haven't touched, and uh, I really don't need it. I'm 100% service-connected, plus I get Social Security, and I'm wondering, should I put it into, like, a Roth? IRA or into one of those I things that you're talking about? Yeah, you wouldn't be able to do either of those. Um, you know, retirement money can't go into I bonds, and uh, you would have to pay the tax on all of it because this is pre-tax money in order to put it into a Roth. You can roll it out to a traditional IRA. Um, you know, you don't have to roll it out of the thrift savings, so you could leave it there as well. Uh, what do you have roughly in this TSP account, Tom? About twenty grand. Okay. Uh, and are you happy with how it's been doing there and the investments you picked, or would you like to have some other options, maybe a little more control over it? Um, I just, I didn't do anything with it. I let them deal with it because I didn't know anything about it. I told them to put it into low risk so it yeah. didn't gain much money. Sure, sure. Yeah, and I think that's perhaps your next step is to really think about how you want this money invested because given the fact that you don't need it, I assume this is money is just there in case something comes up unexpected down the road or to pass on to a loved one. Is that right? Right. Yeah, okay. But I, I think the idea here is that if the Lord tarries and you know, you're in good health, this money could need to last a long time because you may need to tap it down the road for something unexpected. 
Um, but if not, obviously we just want to grow it and try to outpace inflation, uh, so that there's something there to, you know, leave on, leave behind, whether that's to give to a ministry that's on your heart or to pass along to a loved one. So I think there's, you know, a good case for getting this invested, even if it's on a conservative basis. Now, there are options inside, uh, the, uh, TSP to be as conservative or aggressive as you want. You can, you know, there's the G fund with the uh, government securities. There's the bond fund. Um, there's also the, the domestic and foreign stock funds, uh, the C, the S, and the I. So you've got plenty of options there where you could perhaps, you know, use a traditional uh, retirement type allocation where you'd have maybe 60 or 70 percent in bonds or fixed income that would provide some income, some more of a stable type return, and maybe 30 percent or so in the stock portion that gives you a, a growth component over time. And, you know, you wouldn't look at this thing over a quarter or a year. You'd take more of a long-term perspective so that even if the market's down a good bit more this year, which it absolutely could be, you're not looking at it that way. You're you're taking the long view and you're trusting that, you know, you have the right allocation given that you don't need the money and you're able to just let it continue to grow. Now, you can do that inside the TSP by leaving it right there, or you could roll it out to an IRA, an individual retirement account. Uh, again, you wouldn't be able to put it into the I-bonds, and I wouldn't recommend moving it to a Roth because it would all be added to your taxable income in the year of the conversion. So you'd you'd have a pretty big tax bill on that. Hopefully that's helpful to you, Tom. Thank you for your service, my friend. We are very, very grateful. Uh, Bellevue, Ohio, Lynn, thanks for calling. Go ahead, sir. Hi, Rob. Thanks for taking my call. I heard your uh, spot earlier about faithful investing. In my uh, 401k at work, I have, uh, it's administered by Fidelity and trusting their management better than me. I've authorized them to manage that account for me. Yeah. Um, How would I go about or what options are there out there it's managed by, you know, like a fidelity, um, to, you know, invest. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. The good news here, Len, is that there are more options than ever for you to have investments that have a, a faith-based approach, uh, where either they're avoiding companies that are misaligned with the Christian values, or they're embracing other companies that really are, uh, you know, promoting a kingdom impact or at least, you know, human flourishing, um, and or, uh, engagement where they're using your position as an owner, uh, to reflect Christian values used by voting proxies and engaging company leadership. Uh, If you head to our website, faithfi.com, and click on the show, you'll see a number of our our sponsors there are these faith-based investing fund families, uh, including Eventide, uh, Guidestone Funds, Praxis Mutual Funds, uh, One Ascent Investments. I mean, these are some great options with some world-class fund families, as well as Lightpoint portfolios, where they're specifically investing for uh, a good return on investment, but also where they're pursuing uh, values or faith-aligned investments. And what I would do is contact the advisor, the person who's responsible there for your account at Fidelity, and just say, listen, here's the approach I'd like to take. I'd like for you to look to see whether you have access to these fund families, and if you could help me move this portfolio to something that 
it is more aligned with my faith and values as a Christian. And if they can, you know, perhaps you consider making a change to a certified kingdom advisor, but they probably could help you do that. And uh, as I say, the good news is there's world-class investments now that are specifically operating with a mandate around faith and values. Okay. Um, and just a quick follow-up with uh, investing that way, how does that compare with uh, like the normal investing the world does as yeah. far as return in, on investment? In terms of returns, yeah, in terms of returns, uh, there's been studies done uh, that are really fascinating that really show you don't have to give up anything in, in terms of the way of return to invest this way. And you would expect that that would be true because if they're investing in God honoring companies that are following biblical principles with everything from, you know, the board structure to how they're operating their business to, you know, the fact that they're not taking advantage of people in their supply chain and, you know, slave labor and all of that, you would hope that they would be better performing companies over the long haul. And I think that, uh, you know, the, the data says you don't have to give up anything in terms of return to invest this way. In the past, as there was limited investment choices, that would have been the case. Uh, that's not the case today. Okay, fantastic. All right, thank you for your help. All right, Lynn, appreciate you calling and listening today. God bless you, sir. Well, that's all our time for today. But before we go, I want to say thanks for spending time with us today. Thanks for your calls. Thank you for listening. And thanks for being a faithful supporter of this ministry. You know, beyond the broadcast, we have an entire team of contributors and web designers and media producers working each day to produce tools and content to help you become a better biblical money manager. And none of that work would be possible without your financial support. We offer a lot of it for free, and that's only because of the generous gifts from listeners like you. If you're not yet one of our financial partners but would like to be, would you visit our new website, faithfi.com? That's faithfi.com. Then click the Give button to sign up, and we'd certainly be grateful. In the meantime, please set a reminder on your phone and make plans to join us again next time. I'll be here, and I hope you will be too, for the next edition of Faith and Finance. We'll see you then. Faith and Finance is provided by FaithFi and listeners like you.